Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we're joined by our good friend, Maisen Miller. We love welcoming Maisen to our podcast. She has been a friend, a mentor, a voice of clarity, and a guide in this journey. And today we jump right in a conversation about our children how they take care of us. And uh, I love talking with Maisen because this journey is always unfolding and some choices are difficult. Like our recent one to change schools because I think as a parent, I question so many things and coming through such a toxic relationship with a school where toxic should not be a part of the conversation. I think sometimes this journey, I, I, I can question situations and maybe hold on to challenges. And it's such a lovely conversation. And of course, I leave it with a more open mind and the simplicity of the pivot and the art of the effort of no effort. So welcome. Amazing. Hello, friend. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Good to see you. You look great. You look great. <laughs> How was New York? Well, you know, it was, uh, it was very sweet. And now it was a week ago, so it seems like um, forever ago. But uh, it was beautiful weather. Um, you know, we've reached a stage in our life, and maybe you've already been through this life, but some, particularly with daughters, the teenage years are really an adjustment. And um, now when we walk along in a sidewalk, at least in New York, which is the only place we walk on sidewalks, she puts her arm around me, you know, she puts, she'll put her head on my shoulder. Mm. And uh, she's learned and I'm reminded that um, she likes to spend some time with her mother. In fact, she said, I think at some point I'll, I'll be coming back to LA, obviously, because it would be so wonderful to just be able to come by, oh. you know, drop in. So that's how it was. That must have felt wonderful. Yeah, it was nice. I'm so glad because, you know, I'm at the Sophia's, you know, she's 14. She's a freshman. She's trying she's finding that independence. She does it very um, kindly. <laughs> like she doesn't, I, I, I've, I've witnessed it in other situations and Sophia's, she seems very mindful to, she doesn't want to hurt my, like she always say, I, I hope you know I, I love you, even though like maybe she wants to watch a movie in her room or she was so very upset that um, she was on the phone with her friend and I had like sat down for 20 minutes and we usually watch an episode of Friends and I just watched an episode just to kind of cleanse my palate or else I can't sleep, do you know, because <laughs> like, I, I have so much in my brain. And she came out and she was so upset. She's like, I'm so sorry I didn't come out and sit and watch with you. And I was on the phone with my friend and I said, no, that's, 
That's what you're supposed to do. This is what I want you to do. And she seems very mindful, but I, I, I feel that it's like she, she wants permission. She doesn't just take it like, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm a teenager. I'm going to be with my friends. And so it's, it's been a very interesting, you know, place to be. She still gets, you know, persnickety and, you know, enough snarky where I just have to say, I'd appreciate it if you didn't talk to me like that. I think I say that a couple of times a day, but on, you know, on the other levels, she's just very, um, I think just actually coming off of the pandemic. So she didn't have that time to spread her wings during middle school. So it's new. She's not, she's unsure and everything's so new that. She does make sure that, you know, she says, this doesn't mean I don't love you, mom. I feel like I'm the one who's like, I don't want to embarrass you. And she's like, you couldn't embarrass me. You're, you know, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the things I think that I observed was uh, through that stage, you begin to see that perhaps all along, <laughs> your children have been caring for you and your feelings and been much more protective and responsible and and, a, and it can be a burden i can remember georgia saying mom i always know what you want me to say and so then it gave me pause because i reflected on you mean you were saying all of that to reassure me for my benefit you know and the answer is yes and i think that's just reflect for most of us and how we have at what point we began to feel like we were the adults in the room <laughs> And, you know, we, we had stepped into that role because we could see our parents' feelings and we could see their worries and we, we felt some sense of responsibility. So that remains true. I, I, I always took it as when I would get a text from Georgia that was, a, you know, these days, that was an answer to a question like, how was your day or how did this go or what did you think about it? Did you like this? And she would answer, yep. And I thought, oh, that's great because that means that she's in, in a happy place. And then she said to me on this last trip, well, mom, what else am I going to say? You know, I know that's what you want to hear. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. But that's really the nature you see of human relationships, or at least when we are aware, we can really see each other more clearly and we can respond in a way, yes, that can be kind or is more careful. There's not confrontational, you know, so we can see that our children begin to mirror that to us. That's so interesting that you say that because I'm thinking as you, I just got off a customer service phone call and that was one thing that, you know, it was some, some phone bill auto pay thing where I didn't check and I should check. It's why I don't do auto pay because I, I trust and I'm like, well, they say auto pay. It's supposed to be this every month. And I opened it up to do my taxes and it's like all over the place. I'm like, what? And this person was help. It was just this round robin thing. And I just, in my mind, I was, I just was like, I'm going to continue to be kind to this human because above this conversation, he's this human, you know, and I only can imagine what he usually experiences. Only at the end, you, you even said, um, well, have a great end of your weekend and a great life and a blessed life. Because it's like, you're not going to talk to I'm not going to talk again. to him again. <laughs> and I did what, I remembered the thank you. And I was like, do you have a survey I can fill out to, you know? <laughs> and I think he was scared. He was like, oh, no, we don't. <laughs> I think he wasn't sure what I was going to say on the survey. So he didn't forward one. But I just, I wanted to make sure like above, like just being in that conversation that I knew I didn't want to be confrontational. And I knew I just wanted to be kind because ultimately 
that was really what mattered. And as you say that, I think about the conversations that I have. Sometimes it's easier to do that. I think we've kind of just stepped into like our episode because I was, you know, we've been talking a lot. Like yesterday, um, we recorded something about the power of words and how those, you know, the differences between the two schools that Liam last year and now are at and the difference between the words that they use and how that creates that relationship and that environment and how it just bleeds into everything, every, every part of our life and just... It's like having a, a bubble bath going to this school, like sitting in some of the meetings. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're sitting there and the words are just beautiful and supportive. It's really wonderful. I think it reflected on the impact that the other place had and those words. And also then you find that you are in a place where you don't feel the need or the impulse to react or resist yeah. And that place really is, it's always here, but it has to be guarded. And it does take a sense of responsibility. I'll, I'll tell you that I had a conversation or a series of conversations that were most unpleasant with someone recently. They felt challenged by what I was asking them to do, even though it was a really simple request. But nonetheless, they took offense and I could feel and see the resistance. And the farther along we went in the conversation, the, the greater the resistance. And we can call it projection to where the person I was talking to was so angry and self-defensive that it just escalated, you know. And so I said, let's talk, you know, let's cut this short and we can follow up with this later. And um, of course, the next day, right away, I received a message, an email in which this person was saying the situation was untenable, we can't continue, you know, let's, and, and, and brought our relationship to an end. Hmm. So I sat there shocked, but then something came over me. And what I responded to is I said, um, I take complete responsibility. I realized that as long as I was trying to alter this outcome, or be heard, or even make a point, or resolve it, that it was just going to make things worse. So I said, I take complete responsibility. I'm so sorry. Please know that I am, you're always welcome to get in touch with me. And in part, what my motivation was, I think, is that the time that we're living in right now, which is so fraught, with rampant and inexplicable aggression, Mm -hmm. division, war, brutality, the slightest little disagreement on my part just adds to that. It just adds to the war. And I, I said, I really can't allow myself to contribute in any way to discord. And it didn't change anybody's mind. But by stepping forward, and and even if we don't say those words, if we realize that what we say or how we respond determines some kind of a greater good, then once we see that and hear that, we have to maintain that. It came across me really without any contemplation, but then I decided, oh my, those are magic words. 
I take complete responsibility. I'm so sorry. It has really nothing to do with what the relative merit of blame or offense or, you know, right or wrong. It just ends the conflict. One of the things I remember when we talked before about uh, Liam's old school, uh, about our expectations, uh, about all of these different, and I, and I tried all of these different approaches to this, this situation. And I knew that there were things in place that I had no control over. I could feel like this last four, the last four months being there, it was a physical thing. And actually I almost reached out to you because now we're at the point that we're out of there and we have to follow up with certain things like complaints just for like, I'm conflicted because part of me is I just want to be done. I just want to be done. And then part of me says it continues. And if I don't stop and just document it and just submit it, then it, it continues without, there will be probably no recourse with the complaint I file, but at least like um, to do it for the people who come behind me. So they're not, there's like some, I feel like something at least left there because part of our challenge was at one point we were like, this is happening. And we kept being told, well, that teacher has a spotless record. So, you know, going back and you have to call these people on the wrong so that when you're gone, the next person that comes there, at least there's some there's something, record. And I don't know because I'm so conflicted because part of me is like, I'm out. Oh my gosh. And then I had to feel all of those things that were, that came to the forefront that showed me how hard I had fought and what a toll it took on me. So, but I just remember how you said, um, that must've been a very hard decision, you know, um, how you were very empathetic to how disappointing that must've been for us to, to have gotten to that place. To me, that felt like, you know, I'm always striving to be more Liam. (laughs) And to me, getting to that place, there was a lot of question as to what was my motivation for fighting? Why was I fighting so hard against an immovable force? Um, There's actually like a, a physical reaction when I think about revisiting to write those complaint like it's a physical presence but I just remember like my feeling when I finally did it was oh have I failed him should I have stopped long ago should I have you know what do I want him to be in a place where no where they don't want him like why did I continue to push that and I just remember how freeing it was for you to have acknowledged how disappointing that must have been because disappointed wasn't part of my vocabulary. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I wouldn't allow myself to be disappointed. You you had hardened in some way against your own feelings. And sometimes we do that when we turn something into a cause. We make it all mental, and then we don't really acknowledge the emotional, the heart aspect of things. Now, I'm going to make this very simple for you, Lori. I'm going to say that all of that was necessary. It was necessary because you had to reach a point where it was a simple matter of a pivot that you needed to make away from a place that you think, well, you had really invested so much time and hope 
and effort to this better alternative, which as I understand it was just standing there in plain sight. That's always the way, you see, we struggle. We struggle trying to change the current circumstance into one that we know, we sense, would be better or would be right or what it is we really want to have happen. And we struggle until we stop struggling. And then, honestly, this is really how I find life works. We turn and look and right there is the alternative, is the answer, is the solution. All we had to do was swivel just a little bit, but you have to reach that point where you, in a way, give up. And, and like it's that point where you can answer yourself, why would I want to be in a situation? Why would I want my son to be where he's not wanted, where his, not, his needs aren't being met, where he's overlooked and ignored? and where the people who are charged with his care are defiantly refusing to do so. So you see, but give yourself credit. You did what you needed to do and you put in the time. And now that you've turned, I just want to encourage you to really trust that where things are right now is where they need to be. And what's, and this is the best alternative. I won't, counsel you one way or the other about documenting these things, but just make sure that you don't enter that argumentative confrontational state again. Because there what you're doing is you are fighting old battles. And oftentimes when we look at things that are in the past that we want to, we might say, I want to reflect and I really want to study this, I want to process this or I want to do this. We're still so consumed with that it's a very juicy thing, these places where we feel offended or ignored or mistreated. It's a very juicy emotional place and we want to go there. And in a way, what I found in my own life is I was forever trying to kind of rewrite the past <laughs> to my liking, you know, and so it would have a different outcome. When in the meantime, you're right where you need to be and Liam right is right where he needs to be. I would take equal an equal amount of effort to document the positives that you're finding in this experience now because the people there, the teachers and the administration, they need that positive reinforcement too. And so be very generous with that and the recognition of what they're doing. And with him and with yourself, you can both say, wow, we really went to the mat on this and it worked out. It works out. And don't overlook that aspect because life doesn't present us with many opportunities to say, wow, this is great. It really doesn't. You know, when, when my daughter was little and we, I used to try to trouble myself with things like, um, you know, we, we, you would hear these things about parenting. We'll never let your child quit anything because they need to learn to be responsible and reliable. And, you know, they need to learn that things don't always go their way or they need to learn that they don't get what they want or whatever these things. And I would stand there kind of like in shock saying, wait a minute, I don't have to teach my child that. Life teaches that. Do I have to kind of artificially 
manufacture or you know reinforce pain and disappointment and heartache oh no 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 you'll get every bit of struggle and pain and suffering and difficulty that you never wanted out of life so you reached a point where you said i'm assuming because this is how i think well certain things i never would have considered but then the situation leads me to a point where i know i can't keep carrying hauling that expectation up the hill and there is the answer staring me in the face I think so much about what you also mentioned this morning about participating in that conflict. And I think about how there are other parents um, that they just didn't fight the way we did about certain things. And it was it's easier on them. And I see I see that and I get a little jealous. It was one of those situations where I was like, is this for real? Am I being met with so much resistance just because I am shining a light on how profoundly unjust it is? Was it my adamant stance that caused them to fight so hard? Like if I would have just not participated would it have been would it have been as stressful would it have been as um combative combative but you know i'll tell you there's no point in 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 second guessing any of this for you i want you to know there's no point i know it may be a habit to do that but that that's just mind chatter um that's not real i assure you that you did the right thing now why can I assure you of that? Because you did it. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to go back and think, well, well, if I study this, then maybe I won't make the same mistake or maybe I'll understand it better. It just means that you're not done. But that's old news. That's old. That's more than yesterday. I, I'm sure if you spoke to Liam about this, he would have, you know, he just laughed, you know. This is not real or, or relevant to him. It's not even on his radar. No, there's no radar even. I mean, do you know what I mean? He's right here. Yeah. And um, be careful that you don't carry the, the battle forward when there's no battle. You're off the battlefield now. I mean, when I got that email from somebody saying, well, this relationship is untenable and I can't go forward. I mean, there's a zillion things I could have said. And I did say them to someone else, you know, when I needed some, some reassurance. But people walk themselves into the brink. You, you brought yourself to the brink and perhaps the people that you're speaking of were already there. We're not giving an inch, you know, we're, we're, we're not admitting anything. We're not taking fault. We're not taking responsibility. You see, those are the words. They sound like they're not aggressive. Oh, but absolutely. If something's immovable, it's a wall and all you're going to do is just bombard it, you know, and, and frankly, get nowhere. Just bring yourself to the point of exhaustion, which is a good thing because you finally fatigued that instinct. You dropped it and you turned and right there was the answer for you. Another school, um, as soon as possible. No wasting time. Let's move on. It's very hard to do that 
Lori, I want you to know it's very hard to move on. People say that I have a hard time letting go. And what I tell them is that it's hard because what you're holding on to is already gone. Wow. And in this quiet space that just opened up, that breath you just took, that's called freedom. That's what you really want. That's where you want to be. And so don't look back. It's already gone. And you frankly can't track the repercussive influence that you've already had on parents, staff, you know, consultants, administration. You don't know. You've said your piece and now you move on. Let others praise or blame. That's what I would say to you, given just what I see in terms of the struggle that you're still in, kind of twisting and wringing. And, and you know what? What if you could let it be easy? What if you could let it be easy? I don't know if you remember years ago, there was some kind of ad campaign for an office supply store, and they had a little red button. And it said, easy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. Actually, my daughter got one of those and she had it in her room. And like, that was easy. That was easy. Let it be easy. Let it be easy. It's very hard to do. Very hard to do. But it's right there for the taking. And once again, Liam will lead you there. No second guessing no backtracking do whatever you want to do you don't need permission from anybody write whatever you want to write you don't need approval for that if you write it and then you say now i'm done that's a beautiful thing you see if it helps you to do that but it's already gone it's already over yeah that's probably what that physical that physical reaction because the physical reaction is it's the same feelings that I would have in those IEPs, in those conversations. And it feels, it doesn't, it's unsettling. Um, and it gets me angry because I'm like, because I want to be right here. There's so much going on right here that I, I think part of it, I get mad. Like, why am I now giving up some more of right here? I, I see it over and over again. And it's certainly true of me. And so, you know, don't take this as some kind of condemnation. We're really addicted to suffering. We're really addicted to the pain and the difficulty of any situation. So we relive it, we relitigate, we re, 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 re. It has something in it for us. And I, can't, I don't need to say why, but the truth is behavior that's reinforced is more likely to be repeated. So by thinking over and over again and dwelling over and over again in those whatever memories you have and reliving all of that, you're kind of reinforcing the difficulty of it, the pain of it. It's really hard to let things be easy and let things be simple, let them be straightforward. And it's really hard to be present. You know, the fact is in this present moment, there are no problems. Mm -hmm. You won't know what's coming down the pike to you. You won't know the next things are going to happen. However, Here's kind of a money back guarantee. How you experience this moment 
And it's not a fancy moment. It's just how you live here determines the next moment. You can see that if you spend a moment in agitation, consternation, anger, regret, worry, fear, well, the next moment comes along, you're still in it. <laughs> so all the power that you have is right now. And so it's a shame to spend a moment in which there's no conflict, no distress, and find something that you can be conflicted about or distressed about. Honestly, that's what we do, but this is the way out, you know. Now, physically, I want to tell you how you reach that place over and over again. You have to breathe and be aware of your breath, okay? And I think I probably put in one book or the other, I tried to make it simple when it, you know, it really is simple, three breaths. If you can inhale and exhale three times, your body, you see, really doesn't hold on. It's self-regulating, self-cleansing, you know, it's a waste disposal you know, phenomenon. But use your breath to bring yourself back to the present moment and relax into it. You know, you have to work to keep a thought stream going because they're transitory. They, they disappear. You have to work at it, you know, to be obsessed with something. Use the breath to take that pause. There's no past breath. There's no future breath. Every breath is the present moment. Every breath is now. And if you really listen, Right now, if you take a breath, take a breath with me, okay? And then exhale it, okay? Do you hear the silence? And do you feel the stillness? Some people have a hard time entering that still space because we are conditioned to think we need to be doing something. We need to be working on something. We need to be fixing something, or as we say, processing something, you know. Let me think about it again and again and again and again and again and again. again. I once heard, uh, one time in our, in our Zen group, we had a, a very young and, well, a college student, brilliant, Stanford student, and she would come to retreat and um, it was clear that she had some matter that she was, you know, regularly distressed about school, you know, the stresses of school or this or that, they had relationships, whatever. And at the end of the retreat, everyone goes around the room and says a word or two about, we break the silence and we say a word or two. And it came to this young woman's time and she said to the teacher, she said, Thank you so much for your teaching. I'm still processing it. <laughs> yeah. And Stephen can see my teacher right away said, that's what I'm telling you not to do. Stop <laughs> processing. You see, it's really, there's no such thing. It's all mental. So uh, trust the body and the breath to bring you back to what we think is such a fancy place, such a rare place, the present moment, which is the only time it ever is and let yourself feel secure and relaxed and at ease. You know, when you say processing, 
processing is resisting the present. It's resisting being in the moment. It's, I need more time to hold on to past experiences. That's not living in the moment. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's something we, we as a culture say, let me just, uh, yeah, let me process that for a second. Meaning I still want, and they could go back to how we're addicted to this turmoil sometimes. I still want to be in that for just a little longer. You know, you say a little longer. It's resisting being in the moment. You, you know, you think that by processing, you'll reach some understanding and it will change the situation so that either, you know, some, you'll have some knowledge about it or you'll make it, you'll turn something into, it's all dealing with old laundry. It's all old laundry. And um, yes, you're right. As a culture, we have kind of adopted these, um, they're, they're really pop psycho psychology terms. And we live a lot of our life in that way. We call it processing. And I, I try to remember that we do have, there's such a thing as a processor, but you know, it's a computer or it's a cousin art or it's, you know, or it's your digestive system. I mean, it's just a superb and it's genius. However, what we make of what's long gone is uh, really not a good use of time in life. I think that was what mostly brought me grief in the whole situation is, and, and, there, and in any situation where I was, you know, holding on trying to figure it out, and I would, I would try to understand. I just want to understand. I don't understand how you could do this. I don't understand how you could. I, I don't understand. I just, and I think I finally came to the point that I was like, I don't need to understand because I am never going to understand because that's not me and who I am and how I work and how I respond and react creates not only my path, but my son's path. And I know that Liam and Sophia, they, they're, they're smart little cookies. And as we were talking about earlier about trying, they, they spend just as much time trying to take care of us as we do them. Because even, you know, it was one of these documents where they're sending over a document saying, hey, we'll give you this and sign this. The thing is, is like, I'm not going to go backwards. It's not going to undo this. It's not going to change it. What will change Liam going forward is where he is right now. What's happening right now in his life. And I think that's what's causing the turmoil is it. I know in my body that this, this paper, this whatever isn't, it's, it's meaningless to, um, to him, to really what he needs. What he needs is what he has right now what he didn't have. And it did. I was so, I've been so peaceful since we've been here. And then I got this paper and it literally was just like, I, 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 you know, where you can't even speak. And I told Stephen, I'm like, tell me if I'm wrong. Cause I'm often wrong. And I admit that now I'm like, I'm often wrong. And you help me see, you know, where I'm wrong because I'm just a product of my life and my thoughts. And I'm, you know, I'm just, so if, if you see it in a different way, just tell me. And I was physically reacting. And Sophia just looked over and went, don't sign it. <laughs> mom just don't sign it it was beautiful and I was like yeah because when she said it I knew that that was right I was like yeah just and it, and and all of that stuff because I was still I was going back to trying to do what was right trying to can I make a difference can I do 
And the only difference I when I was in those moments, I was in those moments fully and presently, probably holding on to (laughs) working not to hold on. But I, you know, I it carried it, and it was cumulative. By the time we left, it was like it wasn't just that moment. Although that moment had enough power in it to make you leave, it was a combination of things because you said this moment is enough. Let me tell you about the moments that came before. It, there were so many moments that I couldn't even write them down. There were so many moments that I couldn't even wrap my head around them. And it was so much easier to just, like, I, I just feel that peace. Like even when I talk about it now, I'm like, I just feel, I just love not talking about it unless I can help somebody. I love not talking about it and just being here because here is lovely. Yeah. And it requires no effort. Yeah, it doesn't. However, I will say that my first teacher told me, you know, because in our practice, it's called the effort of no effort, the effort of no effort. Because of our mental habits, we make things really complicated, you see, that, that mental, pro- the mental processes that we go through to judge, evaluate, conclude, deduce, all of these things to reason, rationalize, the effort of no effort. It's not something that we've, we, we can't, we, we think that doesn't make any sense, except when you realize that you do have to stay focused and disciplined to catch yourself, you know, when you're going here or when you're going there, and then bring yourself back to this wide open, easy, present state. He said, you know, our practice is the effort of no effort which is the greatest effort a human being will ever expend. You see, the effort that it will take you to free yourself from effort. You know, that don't make it a work. Don't make it complicated. Just don't sign it. You see that kind of thing? And that arrives, you, she just kind of like drop kicked you into that state where you were like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's waking up. Yeah, the effort of no effort. A lot of work to not work. And really what that means is that just the discipline and the commitment that you are making to stay present and to not be haunted by memories of memories of memories, you know, the past and the past and the past or be haunted by this other kind of shadowy space, the future. And to be able to rest in this now, which is already here, it's already silent. And I mean, not there's noise, of course, but this is silent, just undisturbed and still and calm, it's peace. It's very scary. I'll tell you, to trust in doing nothing, to trust in doing nothing and letting life, you know, such as it is unfold. And we create scenarios in which we have circumstances. We say, well, somebody else maybe can trust, but I can't trust because of all these, I've got all these enumerated reasons why, you know, I have to be watchful or guarded or fearful or um, distrust. Um, But you see, as life unfolds, and if you really start to look how things happen, they happen by themselves. And when you least expect it, 
you know, something happens just like you've been through. Something happens. And it wasn't a plan. It wasn't on a map. It wasn't something that you agreed to. It wasn't a strategy. It just happened. And it was okay. It wasn't like a terrible thing. You had already experienced the terrible, you see. It's kind of like you're walking in the dark and then suddenly you step into the light. It's already there. Step there. And then trust that this place and time and that you as Liam's parents and mostly Liam as his own being navigates a life that is benevolent and that is nourishing and that is fulfilling. Now, Liam's not a special case. We have to be this way with all of our children and with ourselves. Can I trust that I'm okay, I'll be okay, even if I don't know what I thought I was supposed to know? <laughs> yes, because this is just part of the, the, the aspect of life itself. Life enhances life. Human beings driven by their egos are the only being, only species of life on this planet or any other planet that we know of that actively works to destroy its habitat and all other beings of its kind, you see. So life itself, absent the influence, the kind of the perverse and distorted evil impulse of human greed and you know power anger and hatred it works beautifully from where i sit it's working beautifully now can i restrain that impulse i have to make it a harder endeavor for me be more worried or conflicted or afraid that's what complicates things I'm going to have to trust. I'm going to have to trust. And you know, there are songs to this effect. The sun will come up tomorrow. It's funny that you say that because that I think has been something that I've been saying this week where uh, Liam has a field trip on Monday, which is so exciting because it's this day at a camp away with his new teachers and his new classmates and some of them who came up to me, one little boy came up to me on Monday and was like, I meant to say congratulations. Uh, Monday was Down Syndrome Awareness Day. And I, I forgot to say something to Liam, but I wanted to tell you congratulations. And it was, it was so beautiful. And they're going on this field trip and I was, and, and I, and there's this beautiful conversation. And when I got home, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't packed a bag. I didn't look at the checklist. I didn't like, I, I'm usually so much more on top of these things. I usually have this done. And I was causing myself like just, just complete anxiety. Like I, I know better than this. This is not what I'm supposed to be prepared but I know when he walks out the door, that backpack is going to be filled and it's going to have his raincoat and his water bottle and his snack. But I, I, I think that that's the challenge I'm having is embracing the ease, is being like, I've, I fought that fight. I was present in that fight. Um, I think sometimes going back and feeling like I have to 
do something about that fight. And as you were talking, I thought, instead of in that moment sitting in when I have the thought of, or a feeling that I'm having, I go to a list of how I'm going to change it. I don't allow myself whatever that feeling is. I don't know why I'm not allowing myself, whether it be self-doubt or pain or what, what, whatever it is, sorrow, sadness, a, a mourning. I, I don't allow it. And I think that as you were talking, I'm like, I think that what I do is find something to do. I'm going to find something to do. Yeah. That's the escape hatch, you know, uh, that's the avoidance. Um, but I'll tell you, you just told me this story. And I want to tell you that what you had presented to you was the welcoming committee, you know, and you live now with angels among you. So just that kind of an experience. Now, I, I didn't process this, you see, this is not some conclusion that I draw. But when someone approaches you, especially a child, you see, you see, now that that is pure goodness. Yeah. And that's so rare. Make sure that you see that that was for you. And that's for you because right now you're at a transition in your life as a mother and you're learning this lesson, you know, you're learning this lesson. And it's a lesson I remember um, when Georgia was in preschool and, and we, she just, we, she was just screaming and ranting every time that, um, that I dropped her off. And uh, then I was told that, well, the developmental stage that she's at is that now we're learning separation. But I, re I mean, even as I was being told this, you know, in, in such a patronizing way, I mean, it was really clear that this wasn't for her to learn. This was for me to learn. You know, it, it, it was a mutual lesson. So I think that you have necessarily been involved in a way as a protector and a defender and an advocate. And um, you're in a transition because Liam is in a place with people who are filling more of that role. And you have to let go and trust that which is a very hard thing to do. It's just taught to us over and over and over again. Um, sometimes we don't recognize that these things that are coming to us are such clear pieces of navigation, you know, it's the GPS of your life. You're here now where you belong and you were where you didn't belong before and now you can rest and relax and release some of, you know, the fear that you've had. So that's what I think is happening. You're back at school. I mean, you just moved to another grade and these lessons are for you. Liam's already there. And he's around other students there, it sounds like, who are there to recognize that they have the blessing of being his friend and peer and they're being taught and called to go beyond themselves in such a kind and considerate way. So I'd say that's a jackpot. Well, when you talked about we have come through this turmoil and gotten to a spot where we pivot, there is the light, there is this school, there is peace. Is it as easy as making the choice just to step through that door and leave the turmoil? Is it just that easy, just make the choice? 
Well, wasn't it obvious? And it wasn't even really a decision or a choice, was it? At some point I realized in my life that I had taken all these turns and never really made a decision. That it was just kind of like driving along on a freeway and you see your exit sign and so you, you exit. You, you take the exit and it wasn't like you had to ponder it. It was just a sign, right? And, you know, biggest life. Um, that's something else that I personally experienced in my journey that made me, you know, stop thinking that I had to make a decision or make a choice or know w w which one was better because it was so obvious what to do. I mean, I don't know if you felt that way. I got the sense that you felt in particular that it, you might have had, um, it might have been unclear before, you know, you might have not been convinced before that it was right. It doesn't really even matter what happened before. You were ready, which also means it was right for Liam. You know, we have a saying, there's a saying a famous Zen teacher once said about this whole business of being ready or making ourselves ready or prepared, you know, because we do have that sense that, oh, I'm going to be unprepared or I'm not going to be ready for what I need to do when it's time to do it. And, you know, I have to do all of this, you know, study and preparation, this and that. He said this, it's too late to be ready. You see, it's all ready. Each moment, it's just, what's the readiness for? That was in your head that somehow you had to do all of this stuff before you could make a change. But in the moment, it was instantaneous and intuitive. It was gut, you know, and yeah, it's simple, but for most people taking a simple step is not easy. You have to have clarity. You have to be able to tell darkness from light. And there's no need to process it. Just no, I it. think we were so fortunate because it did that opportunity opened by itself it opened by itself that's what i want to kind of hammer you on yeah that's how every opportunity opens it opens by itself i don't know how you know uh, except that this life of ours is uh miraculous and it's mysterious yeah that's why trust and faith comes in i mean because how does that work but that's how it works you're absolutely right um, you know, the years before it was, I think it was cerebral. It was more in our head. It wasn't gut. We were just like, they're doing what we need to do, right? We just did what we need to do. That was the situation we were in and we responded in the way that we needed to do what every parent does. And this decision was definitely not in our head at all. It was, it was completely in our gut. And it was when the assistant principal said, that her reasoning for doing what she did was she had a job to keep. It was just like that to us was like, it, there's, it's done. Like that's, it's done. There's no, we saw um, our exit sign. Yeah. That was, that was our exit sign. That the was timing. Just so you know, your timing was perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't second guess that say, well, if we'd known we would have done this before, because then you're imagining all sorts of negative consequences that, you know, yeah. and all sorts of permanent harm and, you know, regret about things. Your timing was perfect. The timing is always perfect. Yeah. You were ready. Liam was ready. The, you saw the sign. You saw the exit sign. It was just a turn mm -hmm. and you headed forward. Suddenly, in a way, you can say where you were, there was no way forward. 
There was no yeah. movement no. forward. No. You were blocked. And then you saw, oh my gosh, there's an open door. Why don't we walk through it? Yeah. And you did. Yes. It can. That's really how things work when we let them. Mm-hmm. We have to be a little fearless. You know, we do. We have to not think twice. We have to trust. But yeah, that's, that's really how it works. It works by itself. We have a saying. This is a Zen saying, part of a poem. Spring comes and the grass grows by itself. You see that? You see this total transformation? Who makes it spring? How does grass grow? But all around you see the fruit. You, you see the flower of, of life. And that's what you're experiencing now. So um, congratulations. Yeah, I have to. And I, what I learned is that I have to be here. <laughs> I have to. I have to like when that little boy, I it's like when you wish for something and you work for something or whatever word you want to use that you do t- towards something. When you get that something, you have to embrace it. Because when he said those were, I mean, congratulations is a word that we've talked about so many times and that we, we never hear in, in correlation with, with our child's chromosomal arrangement. And so when it was just, it was so magical, this, this child, and he was just so matter, like, well, why would anybody say anything else? It was so beautiful. And, um, I know that for as much as I was willing to be strong during the challenges just to be able to really feel that beauty and that love that I've longed for. Yeah. And when you finally have that open eye and maybe when you least expect it, when you have that beginner's mind, the most ordinary things take on inexpressible beauty. I'm happy for you. That was one of my favorite conversations. That was a very um, life-changing conversation, the beginner's mind. So now I want you to work at the effort of no effort, which means you are never be anything but a beginner. Mm. Never be anything but a beginner. We then, we love you. Well, I love you. And I want to extend my congratulations to Liam for being the, just the luckiest boy in the whole USA. <laughs> To have entrusted you as his parents and for you to entrust him as your teacher and to enjoy these days ahead, you know, where you're truly welcomed into a community. It just sounds like a a wonderful time for all of you. Thank you. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and join.